0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, guys. Hope you're having a great day. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, funding your home project today. There's a lot of different options here and i um, and I think it'll it'll be a good discussion to kind of explore what those look like and talk through some of those pros and cons, and and work through kind of like what might be the best direction to think about on your end. So we'll uh, we'll jump into that and uh, look forward to chatting in a minute. Okay. So funding your home project. Let's say you know it's a big project. You're, we'll call it the dream home project. So. Uh, maybe you're thinking about um, you know you want to do a big project on your house. It feel I have owned a home for a while. It, it feels like there's always something uh, on our list, and maybe more than one thing. Some of them are big things, some of them are small things uh, related to our house. Um, I think the list started the day we bought it, bought our first house. Uh, so the the dream the the dream home project is. Seems like kind of a common thing to have, at least it's been on my list and a lot of our planning clients uh, have have big projects on their list. And so I think the question we'll talk through today is, how do you decide if that makes sense? And then also, what's the best way to, to make it happen financially? Because that's, that's typically the hurdle is, is making it happen financially. Before we get into that, I thought it would be good to kind of talk through like, you know, the typical thought process. I'll call it like the American way. So culturally, there's one way of kind of working through this. And I think this kind of this is probably like the gravitational pull that all of us feel towards this direction. The reason I think it's good to talk through this first is because I think it's just helpful to realize these kinds of pulls are happening for all of us, or temptations are there for all of us. And it's really just about awareness. When you're aware of these things, I think you're more or or in a better position to maybe mitigate them or avoid some of the missteps that can happen from them. So what is the American way? I'm sure you guys know kind of which direction I'm going with this, but like the culturally, it's like, you know, everybody it's immediate gratification is the culture we live in. So it's like, you deserve it now is kind of the thought process is like, why not now? Uh, now is the best time, you know, get it done. Everybody's doing it too. I mean, that's um, you know, if you look typical neighborhood, it's like everybody, you know, the neighbors down the road just did a big home renovation. And, you know, there's uh, you know, I can think of a million people just off the top of my head that have done big projects um, so there's a lot of people doing it and financing is really, you know, interest rates are really low. And so financing, you know, maybe this is good debt. I'm just kind of throwing out these ideas first. So, you know, maybe there's this idea that, it, you know, maybe if you're using the bank's money to, to pay for this kind of uh, home project, it's, a, it's maybe a good thing or it's good debt. Also, a lot of people believe that a, a home, big home project is a good investment. And on top of all that, there's there's a lot of these like emotional drivers and like sneaky kind of things that we tell ourselves. Uh, my favorite, it's like the catalyst, um, little tiny catalyst that kind of sets all this stuff off. So uh, it's like, okay, I got, um, maybe you get like a uh, uh, water leak or something, um, you know, leaky dishwasher or something in your kitchen and you're like, I just had a leaky dishwasher and maybe it ruined a little bit of my hardwood floor. And so it's, (laughs) that's a lot of times a catalyst for like we need to do an entire kitchen renovation. And so sometimes these little tiny things can turn into monster big projects, not necessarily that these are bad or good. Like I said, I'm just throwing these out there. And on top of all this, we tend to, uh, justify all of this stuff go, that's going on, even if it's like completely ignorant and illogical, we're going to tell ourselves like a story that it's, you know, to make it be reasonable and logical, at least in our own heads. I see this all the time. I mean, I, I as a financial planner, I get to kind of witness this, witness this as a third party. And even, I mean, uh, you know, every person that's human, I mean, we're all susceptible to this kind of thing. So, and it's much easier to see it as a third party, it's harder to see it happening in yourself. So, but like I said, awareness is helpful. Um, so we tend to trick ourselves though, into thinking, even if it's like completely just absolutely, I've seen some people make some horrible financial decisions and they have tricked themselves, um, and have talked through a very thorough explanation of why it's completely reasonable and logical. It doesn't sound, you know, Reasonable, maybe to the third party uh, or the people that hear it, but what matters is that it sounds reasonable to you. And so you have to be careful with like that little voice in your head—is you know how you're justifying these things and this, you know, the story you're telling yourself. So I mean, that's that's a lot of stuff. It's not typically um, as logical as we like to think it is. There's a lot of emotion, like I said, but I think I just wanted to kind of get all that out there and. You know, say that that's typically the factors we're dealing with that kind of drive these sorts of decisions, and I think it's important to recognize those factors, and um, you know, be at minimum be careful with cautious as you proceed through this kind of thing, because it's very easy. It's a slippery slope here to get into situation where ultimately where the house is you know bringing your your financial kind of, you've heard of being house poor. You know, that's the worst case scenario is this, this kind of dream project turns into like a, you become house poor. And so that's what we don't want to happen. Now I'm not like, maybe you're thinking I'm like anti-home renovation or, you know, I don't want to sound too much like I'm, I definitely am not anti-home renovation by any means. I'm more just about awareness. And if you're aware of it, all the factors and you are thinking reasonably and you have a good solid footing on your decision, that's all good. And by all means, like do what you feel like you need to do and want to do. And, and uh, I'm, I'm a fan of nice houses. And you know, that's a great thing to do. But I think the problem is when you fail to look at these things, and really see what's going on, fail to consult like your long term goals, you fail to follow your own values, you get kind of pulled in the direction of keeping up with the Jonas's and, and and forget about, like, what are your true values? Um, you tend to, you know, maybe analyze this logically when in reality it's not even, uh, you know, you're using analysis to justify your illogical decisions. So you kind of have to be careful when you get into that uh, analysis aspect as a form of justification. Um, people f- tend to fail to think objectively and unemotionally and so all these things uh, are are risks to really be aware of as you're kind of thinking through this decision I think the ultimate solution to all this is to have just kind of like a grounded plan or you know your financial plan is what we we like to call it ideally you just consult your financial plan and that's that's why it's such a great thing for everyone to have a financial plan. People always think about, you know, what's a financial plan? You know, everybody's like, oh, retirement, blah, 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 investments. That's just what people tend to think about first. But I think what more often we see people getting value from having a good financial plan is in these kinds of things, like the day-to-day big decisions. So, like, how are you balancing doing a big home project and prioritizing it versus paying off debt or investing or saving or whatever other things you have on on the radar. Uh, And so having a good financial plan and then consulting it as you approach these sorts of decisions, I think that's the best possible solution to help you avoid all these potential, um, you know, problems around this sort of decision. And so what I find, um, you know, most people at the end of the day, most people don't have a financial plan. It's just not a, it's just one of those things that it's easy to procrastinate. So when you don't have a financial plan, you know, you're going to just resort to natural tendencies. And, you know, that's when you're at risk to all these sorts of cultural pulls and not, you know, really consulting what's most important to you. And, and, uh, so just Keep that in mind as you think about this decision. The financial plan is really just your, your objective kind of guide for reminding you of where you want to take this thing financially. It's it's really like, a you know, we're talking about house projects. It's, it's a lot like, uh, you know, building a house. It's like a good financial plan has a kind of overview of what's most important to you, your values and your goals and has taken into consideration re- what resources you have available and is kind of like your uh, roadmap. And so it's like I said, it's a lot like building a house. It's like your your values and goals are kind of like the, uh, you know, the uh, architectural drawing or blueprint or whatever for your house. And the resources are, are kind of like the materials and the tools you have to build the house. And so when you're building a house, you everybody knows you got to start like there's a very specific process you need to take. And you, you know, start with like digging the hole and the foundation, all that kind of thing. Um, and there's probably things I don't you know, I, I'm not thinking about. So um, basically what financial planning is, is it it's that process of helping you kind of get everything out there on the table, remind yourself what's most important and draw up your kind of roadmap of, you know, how are you going to build this thing out? So the house thing, the reason I went through all that is this, this house thing, you know, big home projects are probably one of the biggest errors that I see people making and, you know, cause for financial pain. And so I think it's important to, to, to think about that as we approach the discussion of, you know, how do you finance that? Okay. So let's say, um, you have a good, Financial plan, you've consulted it, you kind of know generally what, where it fits in this scope of all the other big priorities in life. And you kind of know, like, rough idea of timeline on, you know, when you'd like to get it done. And really, you're just like, you know, thinking about, you know, how do I, uh, what's the best way to kind of follow through with that? So the big factors um, beyond just what we've talked about so far. Uh, I would say, you know, what is your cash flow situation? So, like, do you have how much can you budget to the th- towards the thing? So that's a big deal. Um, you know, if you have lots of surplus, extra cash flow, that's a big difference. than if you're, you know, already really tight, how much equity is in your house? So, like, when I say that, I mean, like, what's the value of the house? So let's say it's worth a million dollars. What do you owe on the house? in the current mortgage, so say that's $500,000. In that example, a million value minus $500,000 owed, that means you have $500,000 of equity um, in the house. And so that's important to kind of understand as you think about these options. How much are you already paying for debt out of your income? So they call that debt to income ratio. So maybe you're already, maybe you have student loans and mortgage and other debts, and you, you already have a really high uh, debt to income ratio or maybe you have no debt and so that those are big big difference differences in situation and important to, to think about so some of the ways so we're gonna talk about several different ways there's there's a there's a bunch of different ways to finance it's a, a big home project project like this but um, I'm gonna go in like order of um, I guess maybe hardest money or the hardest way <laughs> uh, the most discipline required I guess way and down to the easiest way or the least discipline required route. And so none of these are, there's not a right answer. There's not a perfect way. It's just, you know, depends on what you're going for here and what your situation is. So let's start with the hardest, saving up cash. And so going back to the American way, I mean, that's just most people don't. Do these kinds of things that way in our culture. It's like, well, you know, I could finance it. You know, why would I save up cash? So, uh, on top of that, everybody has equity now because home prices have gone up so much. So, it's like, well, I could easily get financing because I got a lot of equity in my house. The forces are not in favor of, uh, and on top of that, cash returns nothing. Like, uh, savings accounts pay no interest. So, your money sits there earning nothing while you wait to do your home project that takes forever to save up for. And then you finally do it. You don't get to enjoy the house project until the very end. So I can come up with a million reasons not to go the save cash route. But what's interesting about that is it's rare. I don't know if I... I can't think of anyone that's gone that route that I've worked with that regrets it. It's like people don't say, man, I wish I had taken out more debt. Uh, That's just not... Um, people, um, it's like any uh, delayed gratification kind of a thing. Once you get to the point of having the cash to pay for it, and then you write the check, you typically feel really good about it. And there's no baggage that is stuck with you along the way. So that's the huge, massive pro or benefit to this, you know, hardest route is that it you feel good about it. Um, typically it's the long-term best um, bang for your buck in terms of, you know, like security and uh, feeling good about your decision. You know, there, there's a lot of like the, the researchers that study like finance and happiness would say that it's the best like return on your happiness route. And so, you know, debt is the, you know, some of the other alternatives we'll talk about is debt is kind of the opposite of this is the problem with it is you got to, you know it's like buy now pay later so this is like save up ba- uh, buy later so there's there's a lot of lot of downsides all the factors like i said in our culture and our economic situation or our economic current economic situation everything is kind of like everything's pulling you away from this route of saving up cash first for the project and then doing it but there's a huge benefit when you can you know you do have the discipline to do that and you can kind of write that check and then call it a day. This works especially, especially well for short-term projects. So if you can do kind of like a, or say you want to do a big project on your house in a year time frame or two years or something like that, that's not long enough of a time frame to really uh, merit investing the money. So you want to have it like safe and cash is safe. And so it works well. Plus you don't have cash sitting around for too long because cash doesn't really earn you much interest. And so it works really well for shorter term projects. And so maybe you have like a, a, maybe your home project is not like a dream monster huge project. And maybe it's a um, small to medium sized project. Um, and this may lend itself better to just saving up cash, you know, for that project and picking them off as you have them. Uh, this works a lot better also for the, uh, uh, you know, the behavioral aspect of, um it's hard to get into financial trouble, like if you're doing this kind of thing and saving up cash and then purchasing it. It's 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 um, you really it's the very obviously it's the responsible route, uh, but it's also the most challenging hardest route. You'll you'll notice a trend with this. It's these kind of go together. The second example, and this kind of is in the same category of, you know, it's the hardest route. But it's kind of a different flavor of saving up cash. So this would be like investing cash for the big home project. This it's the same sort of idea, um, you know, except this works well for kind of like longer term projects. So say you're you want to do like a huge, massive uh, home rebuild, you know, like total gut job kind of thing. And it's big, big project. And it's going to be like five to 10 or 10 to 15, you know, longer term project. In that sort of timeline, you can you typically want to like put the money to work and you can invest depending on, you know, what your uh, financial plan looks like. Um, You can put the money to work a little bit more and get a little bit of return on those dollars and help you kind of accelerate that, that project. So you might be thinking as I, you know, go through that most difficult route, I think, you know, common thought is, well, I can't do that. I mean, like I can't, I'm going to have a hard time saving up that sort of money to pay for the project. So if you're, if your mind is going that direction and that's okay, I mean, that's just, but I would ask yourself, well, maybe that's a sign that um, maybe I'm doing a little too much project wise, because if you can't, if you're having, if you're going to have a hard time saving up for the project, it's going to be also hard to pay off the debt that you're going to have to take otherwise. And so and that's not always the case. But um, I think if your mind is going that direction, it might be a sign that you might be pushing a little too hard on the, you know, the budget. And it might be worth at least at a minimum thinking about that. Now, if you're thinking, well, it's that's not it. I mean, I have plenty of cash to save up. I'm just, you know, wondering about the return on my dollar, that kind of thing. If you're in that boat, that's a much, you know, that's a much more financially flexible position. And so I think that comes down to more personal preference. I think, so we'll talk about the alternatives to these sorts of things. I think, I think, you know, different people prefer different things. And so I think that's where, you know, you have, you're going to have some choices. The good thing about that situation is, um, that's a sign if you have plenty of surplus cash flow. That's a sign that you you know are probably in a good position to be able to afford this kind of thing. And so, so that's the first thing: is save up cash or invest cash until you have the cash to write the check for the project. And then you write the check, get it done, move on, no debt. Next route. So this this, this is where we get into the you know financing options. So. Home equity line of credit. Actually, let's talk about like a home equity loan first, because the home equity line of credit is easier money. So we're going in hardest to easiest order. So, home equity loan, that's kind of like, uh, you know, going back to the example I gave, like let's say you got a hundred or a million dollars of home value and you owe 500000 With a home equity loan, you're going to a bank and you're saying, hey, check out my house. It's worth a million. I only owe 500000 and you, you say, what options do I have? They're going to say, well, um, since you have so much equity, we'll happily own, loan you, maybe they say up to 80% of the value, so maybe up to 800000 So if you owe five they will say, We're, we'll happily uh, loan you uh, $300,000, which gets your total equity up to 800000 and we'll give it to you as a home equity loan. So that's kind of like a second mortgage um, is typically structured similarly to a mortgage, but oftentimes it's a little higher interest rate. And it has like a set payoff schedule um, over a set period of time. And it's very structured payoff. And it's kind of like a lump sum chunk. And then you just pay it off over a set period of time. And so the key though, is you have to have the equity in the house. That's a big, important thing. And so this is a you know, it's definitely much easier to get this done than saving up cash. You can, it's going to happen. You'll be able to do it much faster doing it this way. Now, a lot of times though, with home projects, they don't, you don't like write the check all at once. It's like kind of a phase thing, I guess. And so maybe you're doing a big, huge home renovation that's a couple hundred thousand dollars or, or so. And, you're going to need like 25000 now and then like 60000 in a year or six months and then another 50000 in a year and it's going to be chunks. So um, maybe that uh, home equity loan doesn't make the most sense. It's just a chunk all at once that you're going to get a loan all at once. And so home equity line of credit. So that's the next option. So this is a little bit um, easier, I guess, uh, or requires a little less Discipline, and so we'll talk through this. The reason it requires less discipline is it has less structured terms, and so it's I guess more like a credit card. It's not a, it's not a credit card, but it's it's sim- more similarly structured to a credit card than it would be a mortgage. It's kind of like a hybrid between a mortgage and a credit card. So I just talked about the you know uh, the home equity loan. That's really just like another mortgage to, to finance your home project. Home equity line of credit is a line of credit. It's like a credit uh, option you have. So you can say, so same example I was just given with the home equity loan. You Let's say you have a million value, 500 loan. They'll say, you know, we'll give you up to 80%. So we'll, we'll happily give you a $300,000 home equity line of credit this time. But the difference is, they're not like stroking a check for three hundred thousand dollars to you to pay for your home project. They're giving you access to three hundred thousand dollars. So it's kind of like getting a credit card for you know with a limit. So like the limit is the three hundred thousand dollar mark. So you can pull out cash from that line. You're not going to get charged interest until the money comes out. A lot of times they don't charge you. Uh, you know, fee or, you know, anything really until you start pulling money out. So it's free to kind of like tap that as you need the funds. And then you, they, they typically, so this is where it gets a little easier, kind of easy money. They typically are structured as like flexible terms, like I said. So a lot of times it's like a variable interest rate. So the interest rate kind of goes up and down with the market and you, Oftentimes, the payment you pay is just the interest. So that is nice from a cash flow standpoint, but it's not nice from a paying off the debt standpoint. Because if you're just paying off the interest, you're not paying anything off of the actual loan itself. So a lot of home equity line of credits or HELOCs, a lot of times is what they're called. A lot of times HELOCs are structured as interest-only payments for, say, a set period of time. Maybe it's 10 years. So if you're, um, you know, making their normal monthly payment, you're not getting anywhere with the actual loan. You're just paying the interest. Uh, So home equity line of credit can work really well if you need kind of like flexible chunks of money. You're not exactly sure what the amount is um, and it's going to be spread out over time. Maybe you're going to pay it off pretty fast. Home equity line of credit can work well. You just say you're going to get a bonus in a year. Now, first of all, probably not always good to like plan on a bonus until you get it. But like, say, you know, for sure you're getting a bonus in a year or or you want to go ahead and account for that. You you take the uh, home equity line of credit out to pay for the project and then pay it right back after a year. A lot of people use it when they're you know, moving or putting a down payment on the second home sometimes is people use home equity, line of credit, but it works well for like that flexible payoff, you know, pay, taking the money out and then also paying it off. But the risk is, so we're getting into easier money here. So the risk is it's easy. So it's much easy with easy money. It's much easier to get into a pinch, you know, cause you don't really think about the effort that's required to pay the thing, the full thing off. You're just looking at the normal monthly payment. Or it's it's just so easy to take the money out. It's like, uh, send me a check and uh, I got my home equity line of credit. And I don't even have to pay the normal payment. I just have to pay the interest. That's easy to do, much easier to take out. But on the back end, I've definitely... So going back to what I said about the saving cash, like I said, I've not had really... I can't think of anyone that complains or regrets doing that, going that route. I definitely know... Of, I know of many people I can think of that are kind of regretful of the HELOC route, or maybe they're like, I'm not going to do that again. That's, that's more common. I hear people say that they're like, you know, it was okay, but like, I'm not going to ever get a home equity line of credit again. And I think what happens is that, um, they tend to probably spend a little more than they expected and they tend to overlook what the monthly payment is going to be. And they tend to, you know, not, You know, get caught up in the emotional aspect, and so HELOC is kind of a slippery slope. But it is very, very flexible. You know, one of the most flexible routes to um, getting financing for your house. One other option I I forgot about—I just remembered. um, This is kind of like a variation to the uh, home equity loan, but sometimes when interest rates for mortgages have gone down overall, and maybe you ought to refinance your entire mortgage anyway, sometimes you can do what's called a cash out refinance. So this is kind of more in the camp of a home equity loan, except you're just getting a brand new mortgage for the whole shebang. So in this example, um, you know, let's say same numbers, million dollar house, $500,000 mortgage. Say the interest rates have gone down, you need to refinance anyway, and you're saying, okay, why don't I just get a new mortgage for eight hundred thousand, and so I'll use five hundred of it to pay off my old mortgage, and three hundred thousand of it to use for my home project. So that's that's how a cash a cash out refinance works. That can be the best route in cases where interest rates have gone down, which has happened like historic. You know, the past ten years, the trend has been for lower interest rates, so these have been pretty popular. They're not going to be good when interest rates are going up, which. Most people that like to predict the future uh, economically are saying interest rates are on the way back up. So, um, but that, that's just another option to think about is that cash out refinance is what they call it. Um, and that, that can work well and in that interest rates are going down sort of situation. Okay, so next option on the list. So construction loan. So a construction loan is where, so this is normally like not an option unless we're talking about a big project. Like if you're doing a, you know, floors, putting new floors in or something like that, or getting a new roof, like this is not going to be an option usually. But if you're say like putting in a, an addition on onto your house or like totally gutting it and b- building it from scratch, anytime we're talking about bigger projects, this can potentially be an option is to get a, a construction loan, And so a construction loan is like a shorter term. It's kind of like a line of credit. But I guess the difference with a construction loan is the lender is going to take into consideration what the project is going to do to your house Um, there. I would say they seems like they used to be more common. Like I didn't used to hear about them except for with people that were doing like flips. They're there. Typically, you know, used with flipping homes, uh, but because that they're always a lot of times going to do a big construction job and they're going to sell it. Or it, a lot of people did them. I've seen. I've worked with a lot of people that have used construction loans for a brand new house that they're building. Um, but it seems like lately, though, especially lately, people have been using construction loans for just a home renovation. And so, either way, though, a construction loan. I think the big Difference about a construction loan is the lender looks at the um, anticipated value of the house when the job is done and uses that for their value calculation. So going back to the example I've been using, a million dollar house, five hundred thousand dollar loan, existing mortgage. So in this scenario, the the bank's going to be like, okay, tell me about the project, and you're going to say, well, I'm doing a huge addition on the house. Here's the architectural drawings and the floor plan and the blah, 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 and the projection projected costs and everything like that. And the square footage. And, and if you don't have that, they're going to ask for it. So they're going to look at all that. And they're going to say, okay, let's do our analysis. The bank is, and they're going to say, okay, let's, let's say they conclude that it's going to probably be worth $1.5 million after the big project. So they say, okay, we'll give you, um, we'll happily give you, um, maybe it's like $700,000. So you owe $500,000 now and they think it's going to be worth $1.5 million. So maybe they'll say, we'll give you $700,000. So you end up with five hundred dollars plus dollars So, you know, that's $1.2 million. And that's still not, you know, that still leaves you with some equity. Um, so we'll give you $700,000 to finance this project, this big construction project, And during the project, it's just going to be like a line of credit because you're not going to have to write a $700,000 check all up front. It's going to have to be paid over time and it's going to take a while. So, um, but the total is up to $700,000. And then it's typically the construction loan is, so that's how they set the dollar amounts for it typically. So on the back end, um, it's oftentimes going to be like turned into a, mortgage a normal mortgage so once the construction is done then you kind of like flip it into a brand new mortgage and sometimes you'll like combine all it, all your mortgages into one new mortgage so maybe you end up with a 1.3 million dollar new mortgage and and you're you're you just have one mortgage it's for 15 years or whatever and you're off to the races but the trick is though is, is it's a it's based more on this project and that takes it into consideration. And then you typically flip it into a new mortgage once the project is done. And so the reason I think this is the reason I put this a little bit easier money down the road or, you know, I think it's more of a, it's a slippery slope. So there's a, there's a lot more risk with this kind of route. The main, I think the main risk with going this route is that if things don't go as planned, because I guess the, the the number one difference with going this route is we're now taking into consideration the plan for the house. All the other stuff we've talked about so far, uh, at least the lending options, they're not looking at what the plan is for the house. They're just lending based on what today shows. So this, the big difference here is their lender. The lender is considering what's potentially going to happen or the plan for the house. So the big risk here is that the plan doesn't pan out and that's where you can get into a lot of trouble and it depends on the deal and you got to understand all this like there's a there's a lot of different fine you know terms and fine print and all this sort of stuff sometimes things are guaranteed sometimes it's fixed rates variable rates it's complicated so you need to understand this for sure if you're going to go down this path at a minimum the thing i would be really zeroing in on is like okay what happens in that scenario where the the plan doesn't go exactly how we think it's going to go? Because that's actually not entirely out of the question. So I'll give you some examples. Um, so there's those things that are, uh, you know, in your control um, and still, still can happen. So maybe you don't realize it, but you're picking all these nicer finishes for everything, all these different aspects of the job. And all of a sudden, the price has just gotten super inflated from what you started at and you didn't quite realize what you were getting into. And all of a sudden the project is, you know, gone up by 30% in costs. And that's just strictly based on your, uh, decisions. Um, that can create this sort of pinch uh, where the lender is going to be like, listen, we're only lending you this much money. You're on your own for the rest. Or prices can go up like they have in the pandemic Um, And that can cause a pinch where you're getting stuck with the bill. Another example is this. So this gets into like factors that are less in your control or maybe not even in your control at all. So let's say the market turns. I don't know how many people were doing this kind of a deal in 2008, the last big, huge real estate downturn, but um, I'm sure there were some. And so when real estate prices tank like that, so like a lot of places, real estate was going down by like fifty percent or more, uh, the price of real estate. And so, in that sort of situation, if you're right in the middle of this kind of a project, um, you need to understand how that's going to play out if real estate prices drop by fifty percent. Because in a lot of situations, when I've looked at the deal terms in a lot of time th- in a lot of examples, the lenders basically like, "Nah, we're not going to give you a mortgage." We're not going to guarantee that mortgage after the construction loan is done in the event this occurs. So in other words, they're going to like stick you with the bill. You're going to have to come out of pocket somehow to kind of get bridge the gap. Or maybe they're going to put you in a variable rate loan or something like that. But you need to understand like how that scenario plays out. If real estate prices don't go as planned or if you go way over budget or if prices go up. Um, kind of like the worst case scenario stuff um, when you're getting into this kind of deal uh, because that can that's really what can get you in a pinch uh, with this construction loan at least. But I mean, it, it can work really well if, you know, if you've taken all this into consideration and it is really a bigger job. The nice thing is it's kind of like a hybrid of home equity line of credit and ultimately getting a new mortgage. So next one on the list. So this is when we're getting into really easy money. So you can just get a personal loan. There's, I mean, this is kind of equivalent to going to get like a dishwasher at Lowe's and they give you 0% financing. That's like a personal loan, technically. I guess a lot of times that's a credit card, but um, you can go to your bank and say, hey, I want a personal loan. And they'll say, okay, let's look at your balance sheet or your you know financial position and we'll, we'll loan you some money based on that. And so this is, is an easy way to, for most people that have some resources to get money financing for a house project, but it's oftentimes like the highest. So now we're getting into higher interest rate territory and it's almost usually not as bad, near as bad as a credit card, but like up to like probably 10%, you know, five to 10% interest rate range in today's world for this kind of a loan. But typically it's not, going to require any home equity or it's not going to directly tie to your house. So it's going to look they're going to look more at your overall financial position or maybe they'll just give you a certain amount without much questions asked. Um, But these are typically not nearly as good interest rate and can hurt you. You know, it's going to be a much more painful uh, debt to pay off, basically. And the last on the list, as you probably would expect. So this is like the easiest money, but, you know, maybe not the best definitely not the best. So credit cards. So you can, you know, you could finance your home project with credit cards. And all of us have done like, you know, small bits and pieces of this. Um, But I'm talking about like straight up paying for the deal on credit cards and and slowly paying the credit card balance off. So this route is, you know, definitely the most penalizing interest rate wise, because you know what interest rates are on credit cards. It's like ridiculous high. The other part about this is I'm going to assume if you're thinking about these bottom two options is you probably don't have an emergency reserve of cash. So if you don't have emergency cash, like you're like amped up risk as it is, if something goes wrong on top of that, you have this credit card balance that you're having to pay off. So it's not a, um, we're getting into very, very low likelihood. That's the best route. So if I had to, you know, all, I guess, there can be a place for any of these examples of how to to finance your home project. You know, if I'm just talking to, you know, a group of people in general, which I guess I am right now, I'm going to say like, you know, pay cash or invest. Like that's, all. you can't, I'm, I know I'm not going to get much negative, unhappy people on the back end, given that generic kind of general suggestion. And if you go into, If you want to get into these other areas, I think you want to have some really good reasons around that. Not that they're bad or good. It's just that uh, cash, saving for something and paying for it in cash or investing ahead of time, that's going to be a long-term better route. So, uh, but I think, so I think recapping on this. So we got lots of ways to do this. You could save up for cash. Like I said, you could, you know, use the different types of debts, like home equity, line of credit. Home equity loans construction loans you could even get like a cash out mortgage refinance or you can go even further down the list and you know look at personal loans or credit cards to finance your home project but going back to what we talked about at the very beginning i think the most important thing is that you are consulting your financial plan so what i mean by that is looking at or revisiting you know what is most important and what is what are your priorities looking at like how this fits in with everything else and maintaining or trying to kind of maintain awareness of some of those kind of tendencies we all have to slip up on these ty- types of decisions so if you're going that route if you're doing that i think you're going to put yourself in a fantastic position to feel good about your decision that's really what i would you know that's what I would be shooting for is like you want to have like regret free spending where you're feeling good about writing checks and you're not having to say I'm never doing that again that sucked um, ideally you want to be feeling good about your decisions and that's that's really what I'm after here. so I hope hope that's been helpful let me know if you think of other routes or you want to like explore any of these areas more in depth but uh hopefully hopefully it's been helpful I I want to Thank you guys for for checking us out this time and um, look forward to catching up again next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also, check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor.